DMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Paladins, are you self-conscious about the fact that your magic comes from just a neat idea rather than from, like, a god? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun, dun. Okay, welcome back, everybody. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pretend like <laughs> we weren't gone. <gasps> Anna! <laughs> it wasn't a year, to be fair. It was, it was like... No, it was like seven months, eight months? It was like seven like months. That. It was like yeah. seven months. You know what? I'm just... I'm not even acknowledging it. This is so, just another episode of Raw and Order. Court was in recess, Mama. We can't <laughs> be full-time judges and full-time non-judges. Yeah. Because there's only one full-time. And that full-time is now starting now judges <laughs> full-time judges both right quitting now. Our for now until for the now. next full-time thing yeah. yes until tomorrow until morning tomorrow's <laughs> full-time <laughs> we were on a rumspringer <gasps> we were on a rumspringer oh my god i full-on like 100 forgot about rumspringer oh <laughs> well i think it's coming back so i think it's gonna have to make a comeback i made ready. some promises that i have to keep <laughs> you did <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I'm I did. Fully I made ready. Some big promises. Oh, I can't wait. Promises. I'm fully ready. How are you? Oh, Joe, I love how you asked me that. Like, you haven't talked to me in the past seven months, even though we talk. I know. We've almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> both, both like just in our private lives and at work. So, and at work. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm good. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing lovely. So great. It's um, good to see you. I, uh, some changes in in the D and D schedule. Oh, we should talk about the biggest addition, my table, Mama. Okay, this table. You haven't seen it yet. You're gonna see it. I haven't it. seen it in person. You haven't seen it in person. I've seen the photographs. I'm obsessed. I cannot wait to play. It is, it is great. It is getting it was a hassle. Okay, let me just first of all, I wasn't feeling well at the end of last week. And mm-hmm. Joe from one of our or from our game messaged just messaged mm-hmm. me this thing and said, "Dude, this table is on sale. Mm-hmm. It is fully like a custom built wood top table with like varnish on it and a built in like fifty five inch screen TV. Uh, so the smart TV, TV like came in there. Yes. <gasps> oh yes. Five hundred dollars, I think. Yeah, five hundred dollars for the whole thing or six hundred. What I don't know. I paid a lot. That's lot. it. Yeah. And I was like, and, and and it comes with the chairs too. And I said, what? Oh my, oh my God. So I was like, I have to go get this. So of course, yeah. no, none of my friends who have trucks were available mm-hmm. until like Sunday morning. And by that time I was like, this table is going to be gone. You so, should have called me. I would have brought my Civic. Well, and I my, don't know if you my know. My Honda Civic. Okay. Just, a lot of things fit in there. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't doubt that. I don't, I think this table might've been a, just a titch too big. Just a titch. Um, just a titch. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I, I went through like all of my friends with trucks. Everyone was busy, understandably, because last minute drive to Knoxville, which is 45 minutes away. Oh my God. And pick it up. And I was like, okay, so Josh from our guide, your game. Yeah. Decided to go with me. Cause I 
because we rented a truck and I was like, I'm scared to drive this. Will you drive it? And he was in the military and he said, yes. And that's the only, that's the only way that I allow straight people into my life is if they help me with things. <laughs> Pride month. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, and, right. and he, I was like, I was like, I'm gay and I'm scared. And you were in the military. So you have to drive this truck. And he said, <laughs> he said I, I will do that. Who the fuck in Knoxville was selling this? Okay. Well, let's get into it. Very nice young man lived in a farmhouse on a farm in farm country. Um, and he was moving, ironically enough, closer to Des Moines. He was moving to like, oh. like Ankeny. So, and he's getting rid of this table. And this table was like a first, he's like, this is the prototype table. He showed me pictures of other tables he's built. And let me tell you, oh my God, um, this, this one's shitty compared to the other ones he built. But I do have to just vent a little bit and I hope he doesn't listen to this, but I do because that would be, that would increase our listenership by like yes. 25%. So, so I, I do want him to, <laughs> I do want him to listen, but also when I tell you, okay, when you think I'm going to go, I'm going to take this big purchase. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to go rent a truck for a hundred dollars mm-hmm. or whatever from home mm-hmm. Depot, drive 45 mm-hmm. minutes. What do you, you think? Okay. This thing's going to be like ready to go disassembled the way we talked, whatever. No mama. We went, all of the DD shit, including his computer, was still on it. Oh God. It, it was wasn't all, even cleared off. No. It I was just imagining you being off. like, it was in the basement. It was in the basement. <laughs> oh, no. it, it was it was not cleared off. It hadn't been cleaned probably ever. Ooh. There was some sort of 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 chunky emission Mm-mm. on the Mm-mm. base. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-mm. It was it was cat not making me want to play on this thing. Oh no well well hold on. It was it was he had cats and I assume a cat regurgitated some some uh-huh. loveliness on the table and it just sat there for years. I don't know. Um caked with dust. Um it, it was it was bad. We spent an hour basically like getting moving his like dice trays and stuff off. And I'm like, are you really fucking kidding me? Couldn't do this sort of whatever. He was a nice guy. He had a baby. So I was like, it's fine. Like you get a pass. Mm-hmm. Sort of. That was nice of Josh to <laughs> Right. Yeah. Josh helped me <laughs> with all of it. Um, and then we get it all in the truck and then we come back. We we were late bringing the truck back to Home Depot. And it was going to cost me like an extra $75 if I didn't get it like on time, but we were able to get it in. The guy stayed for us and so whatever. I'm exhausted. At 11 p.m. on Friday night, I'm in my basement with a with bleach and a sponge. That, I don't know what the fuck that shit was, but it was caked on there real good. Mm-hmm. And so I squirted it, pss, pss, little bleach mm-hmm. action. And that chunky emission came right off. Chunk. Well, it took a little elbow grease, but I eventually got that. You know, I eventually got it off and then promptly completely threw away the sponge I used because I was like, I'm never using this again. Never using that again. Yeah. Long story short, it came out great. Um, Cleaned it up, vacuumed the whole thing um, to actually set this coming over tonight to uh, help me think about making some tweaks to it. I put on uh, 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 these little plastic cup holders you get. I got from Amazon so and they fold up. So if you need a cup holder, you just fold it down and it's right there. And you, and I can only buy six. I can only buy six on Amazon because Amazon's racist. And, and I, you heard it here, folks, Jeff Bezos. Okay. They only just sell you a maximum of six per customer. And I said, fuck that. So Tyler bought three more and then I I Venmoed him. Um, I'm going to attach those later, but then um, they want it. because capitalism's dumb, Anna. I don't know. But that is the opposite of capitalism. I know. 
I guess they're so popular. Everyone, they were like three dollars too. I don't know. Maybe he they want to prevent <laughs> for, prevent people from stockpiling them and then selling them at a lower rate. And I was like, dude, I have six of them. I need eight. Can you please just fucking give me two more? And it was like, yeah. Uh 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 uh. Didn't say the magic word. Okay. And I so I uh. Long story short, that's being taken care of. Seth's coming over tonight to help me um, and make some adjustments so that the the big glass. Um, piece that covers the TV is like flush with the rest of the table. It's ah. going to look because right now it's, it's like an indent. It's going to be really cool. I'm super excited. <sighs> Can we just take a moment to talk about like the beautiful journey of your players um, helping you get this table? Like Joe tells oh. you about it. Josh helps you get it. Tyler helps you buy a couple of <laughs> Seth helps you flush yeah. the screen well, or whatever, whatever. You and know, I everybody when, when you plays at this table and is so excited, I bet. <laughs> when you guilt people enough, Anna, they will do a lot of things. It turns out you did how a can, podcast. How can with I me. contribute? How you're, can I contribute? You're doing a podcast with me. To the table, though. Oh, um, just like give me a few hundred bucks and we'll call okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. That's amazing. I cannot wait till our next game. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Which I think will be Wednesday. No. Yawning Portal. Oh, next Wednesday. Yeah. Next Wednesday. Yeah. Not tomorrow, but yeah. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. And you've already had a game on it? I've had two games on it. Oh, of course you have. Tell tell our listeners, dear Joe. Yes. Tell them how many things. How many? You know what? This feels homophobic and it's, <laughs> it's Pride Month. You know what? You refusing to answer my questions? Racist. <laughs> okay, I'll settle for that. We can we can go. We can go. Let's go. We can go. Head to um, head. I okay, so sad news. I did discontinue my drag queen game because it was all online and coming back to playing in person has been such a rush for me mm. that playing online is not fun. And yeah. so I had to just nix it. I was just like, I'm not getting energized about this. I'm not pumped. I need to just take a step away. Maybe I'll come back to it. Who knows? Sure. But, um, and it was, you know, the players are all really fun. And if one of them, hint, hint, wanted to DM it and just take over for me, they could do that. And then I'll play as a player, but mm-hmm. DMing it was just too much. But then I was like, well, I should probably start another campfire. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I have a free three hours. Yep. Just uh, gotta fill it up. And that's no, what I no did. No free time for Joe. So <laughs> yeah. Uh no, but this is an this is a totally different, it takes place on a different planet than my other ones. Totally different scenario. They're they all it's it's a it's a cyberpunk, steampunk, fantasy, post-apocalyptic world that takes place in a city thousands of feet underground. Um, after an apocalypse. So that's the setting. Very different from like mm-hmm. anything I've done before. It's a story yeah. I've had in my mind since like high school. So I'm finally getting able to explore it in this medium. It. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So I've been um, talking a lot. What, what okay. What I, are I was you just excited about to say about? I wanted to tell a story mm-hmm. that something significant that happened in our campaign in Gaidra. Uh-huh. I mean, we ended our big arc. Yep. Right. And w- this was unbelievable. Can I we mean, just the talk about the time, the number that- of nat twenties you rolled. Okay. I killed Anna or in that game. <laughs> Wait, where are you going with, are you starting this story no, after I'm, the arc? Okay. I, you, I'm starting with you. Sorry. You guys, I interrupted. I died. Mm-hmm. 
not like a oh my god i was so excited i just died no my character died though yeah and it was really sad because you were virtual that night too yeah and i was crying in my house (laughs) and nobody was there (laughs) stella was there stella was like fuck you you couldn't even (laughs) stay alive it's a D game you couldn't keep yourself alive (laughs) oh dear just walked out of the room stella's racist so yeah whatever (laughs) but okay and to be fair i was a revivify was handy yes and it worked and it brought brought me back iso still lives on life number two i've never had a character die die in any of my games it's rough right for it to be me when i think i have said in almost every other episode of this of this podcast if iso ever dies i'm gonna (laughs) just lose it i'm gonna lose it and then she died but <laughs> and I lost it <laughs> what did you and what did you think because in that moment like had you ever you had never witnessed a character dying right or no, had that's you? what I'm saying I had never no none well, of my characters had like died died well not not well, even like, your no, no, characters no. I mean none player. of my yeah. none of the players in my games have ever died died yeah and this wasn't even the main boss this was the boss outside no. bef- outside yeah. the door of the main bef- boss yeah this was like two battles before yeah. the main boss battle uh and I, I just lost my thread, but I remember thinking, oh yeah, I remember yeah. because your rules for bringing people back to life mm. are that it has to be like a group effort and there has to be like, uh, you know, some sort of explanation other than, Hey, I have this diamond and yeah. I have this spell. For those wondering a modified version of Matt Mercer's revivification rules that I made. Yeah. Which is an excellent way of doing things. But when you die in the middle of a battle mm. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I don't know how many more rounds this is going to be. I don't know if they'll be done in time to, to work as a group. Mm-hmm. And then to have the one guy that has revivify come up to you. And Joe's like, you better roll for this and yeah. you better roll well enough because even if you have the spell, this could still fail. Yeah. I was, I was losing it. I was losing my mind. Yeah. Well, Draxel had, so, Draxel also had revivify, but like it would have, yeah. like you would have been fine, but like, yeah, it's very, well, well, no, because had you failed with my rules, you could not have been resurrected with revivify. It would have had to been with a higher level spell. Yeah. So I was anxious that you were going to say it's your group or nothing. I was very thankful that you let him just do it on his own and then just make a bunch of checks. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was a scary moment. It was probably like the last big thing that I had to experience in D and D not in like a, now I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) My podcast. This is Anna's. Yeah. It's your goodbye show. It was like the last big thing that could happen in a game that hadn't happened yet. And then it happened to me in a character that was not only my very first character ever, but one that I'm like, she's me, you know, she's me on paper. Yeah. (laughs) So it was so emotional. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, And then you were revived and immediately then Mm -hmm. gave the killing blow to the, to the big bad. Yeah. So, and then next session you get into the throne room and end up having the big gigantic, climactic fight and you guys fucking destroyed destroyed you and joe in the first round of combat you crit twice or joe crit twice crit twice and and then you crit once once, and then later on you crit twice in a row yes yes and i was so glad i was in person for that yes there's something about rolling a crit when like everybody at the table is like ah 
yeah. which yeah, is yeah, just yeah. such an amazing feeling. And as a paladin, <laughs> you just fucking wrecked shit. I know. Just wrecked. So yeah, that was that was one of those things where I had that creature had a plus 13 to hit, and I could not for the life of me roll above a seven. And you guys all had AC above 20. And I was like, why? Like I should have been hitting above 25 and 30 regularly. Consistently. Could not. Could not. You could you, not. you were lucky. Uh, but yeah, you saved the day. And now and then you all got, I think I gave you guys 300,000 gold. Yeah. Which I've already blown. <laughs> a lot of yeah, but you started you started a military started academy. A military academy, I Ooh. did. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Um, uh, my other players were laughing at me because I was definitely googling military academy <laughs> curriculums while we we're at the point. table. I'm like, what do I teach at this thing? Yeah. Um, I have I have one more thing to talk about okay. before we get to our Let's our main it. sesh. Okay, so okay. Stranger Things four. Mm. I don't want to give any spoilers away in case people haven't watched it. It's still relatively new. Yeah. But there is one thing I'm going to spoil. It's in the first episode, so get over it. <laughs> uh, I, I know you've watched it, but you know how they have the D&D game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kids that, that are rolling at the very end, you know, and it's like down to the last two yeah. players that are still up. And yeah. so Andrew and I were watching together and he noticed this too, and he noted it too, which I thought was really cool because I noted it too, which was that when they rolled well and they destroyed the big bad of that game, the DM was like, yeah, yeah yep, 100%. You know? I love that. That's he a was, total you move. Yeah, well, he was totally into it. And like, yeah. yeah, I think they did a really fun portrayal. I mean, it's very much like that was D&D in the 80s. Like yeah. it was yeah. very much like focused on that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, I, that was a fun session. And of course the sister rolls in that 20 right. at the end, which is just <laughs> fucking great. She was, she was Amazing. so, so good. I want a whole show with just her. I know, I love um, her. But was, we both were just like, oh, it's awesome when DMs aren't actively rooting against their players. Yes. And, you know, put put up challenges, but like want them to win. Right. Like, I want like, you guys yeah. to live. Like I need to you tell the story. So yeah. Yeah. I, I Stranger Things for overall the first half of the season, like there was a lot I critiqued about it and we could yeah. get into it. But that last episode, holy fuck. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was one of the best. I think episode tie together. Yes. It, yeah. it was so wow. fucking good. So watch it if you haven't. Mm -hmm. We have, do you know who we have on the show today? I do I know who we have. Oh, I do know. We have Hunter. Hunter. I will talk about this when he comes on, but I just finished doing a uh, a live play on his podcast, The Fourth Leg, um, with them and uh, also another TTRPG player, Sabrina. And it was so fun we played um urban shadows which is a super neat game that's built on like you making deals with players it's it's more focused on like bo the bonds you make between npcs and players and like having debts on them and you owing them and them owing you and like Ooh. using those to your advantage it was so much fun i played essentially a, something similar to like a warlock but um my patron was like this 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 ice demon essentially um and his name was just cool. and he oh. talked he talked like like this Whoa, with a louisiana uh -huh. <laughs> um and it was very fun and 
amazing. And Hunter and Kelsey and Sabrina um, were so fun to role play with. And Joe did such a Yay. great job of like throwing curveballs at us in the story. And it was fun. So we just finished season one. There might be a season two. I don't Ooh. know. If you're interested, go listen to it. Go check it out. The fourth leg. Um, and with that, should we? Let's, let's bring him in. All right, let's do it. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justice Hunter of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and get ready to buy a gay Toyota instead of a regular Toyota because it's Pride Month. For the court is now sitting. I'm so proud that I just made Hunter spit out. That was a spit shake. That was so good. I, as soon as I saw you reaching for your cup, I'm like, oh God, Hunter, yes. this is not the time to take a sip. I'm sorry. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I, I didn't expect the uh, the Pride Month Toyota joke. You guys, Hunter's here. Hi, Hunter. Hunter. Hello. Hi. Um, oh. How are you, dear? I'm great. It's been, oh. It's been a minute. More than one week since you looked at me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that's true. It has been. Yeah. But uh, but not by too much because we just fin- we just wrapped up an amazing little uh, live play podcast using the Urban did. Shadows game called Shades of Chicago. Ooh. Ooh. And Hunter, oh. where can we find that? You can find that on the fourth leg Spotify and Apple podcasts. It was an off. It was originally supposed to be a one season thing, but now it looks <laughs> like we're probably going to have to do a second one, but oh, yes. um, <laughs> it was a, an off season uh, supposed to be six episode actual play, but it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that after editing is done uh, that you can find on the fourth leg. Yeah. Uh, so, awesome. I mean, I guess plugs at the end. You, I'll, I'll tell you. You can plug whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, Hunter, you can plug at the you fourth leg. There you go. Email <laughs> us at the fourth leg pod at gmail.com so that it's not just creepy people telling me to start a business with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so much fun. I was, I, I, I was so thankful you invited me, um, getting to know the your your other co-host better and as well as sabrina who i didn't know beforehand was so much fun mm-hmm. she played her character lulu uh, is a ghost and has a long island accent and walks like this the whole time you so must have loved that. i i fuck it we just she she currently lives in new york and talks a lot about like how she interacts with a lot of people and she picks up these accents and i'm just like <laughs> i was just like tell me all your stories please yes um so we'll have to have her on the pod to answer some D questions um oh, yeah but uh, that was so fun. So please, please hey. go check out that show. But Hunter, mm-hmm. we're here to talk about law cases. Yeah, <laughs> this is a serious podcast. This is a serious podcast. <laughs> Don't you mean we're talking about raw cases? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just remember to cut this part, okay? <laughs> nope. Keeping it in. Keep I'll it stay in. It. I'll stay in. Okay. All right. The court. We'll hear two cases today. The first case, In Ray Dark Vision. Per Ra is a creature with dark vision, effectively blind, 
outside of the range of its dark vision, or do they just see in dim light? Now, children, I brought this question to the court because when I first learned that this was how the rule is not only interpreted by some DMs, but also Jeremy Crawford, I screamed inside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And because it is not how it's written <laughs> and it drives me <laughs> fucking insane. So I want to, I want to, I want to direct your attention to the texts, if you will, page 23 of the player's handbook. Really, you can go to any page uh, where it talks about the character race. Um, but here we're just going to use elves because why not? Elves are cool. All right. So here is, here is what dark vision says. And I'm going to, I'm going to specifically point out the commas and how they are used. And this is basically the same for all creatures who have dark vision. It'll just differ the, the, the length of your dark, or the distance of your dark vision might, might, uh, uh, right change. So yeah, there's usually a flavor sentence. And then it says you can see in dim light within 60 feet of you as if it were bright light comma and in darkness as if it were dim light now the placing of that comma and the placing of the 60 foot range of your dark vision not it doesn't just suggest it reads in my humble justice opinion to me that says the darkest it can be is dim light unless it's out of your perceptible range altogether which is just your line of sight so it'd be like you can see dim light in dim light within 60 feet of you as if it were bright light so if it's if you're in dim light 100 dim light you're the first 60 feet is as if it were bright light and in darkness as if it were dim light but there's no range limitation on the darkness. On the darkness. Right. So, okay, let's let's posit three scenarios, shall we? Let's take a creature that has dark vision. Bright light. You're in bright light out to a range of 500 feet. You can see in bright light, okay? Now, let's say it's dim light for a range of 500 feet. What this says is that within the first 60 feet, you would see... As if bright light. As if bright light. And beyond that, it would just be dim. It would be normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, scenario number three, 500 feet of total darkness around you. According to the... Now, my interpretation of this would be within that 60 feet, it would be as if you were looking in dim light. And then beyond that, it would also be as if you're looking at dim light because it just says in darkness... It, you look as if you're looking in dim light. There's no 60-foot restriction. However, the official interpretation of this, as confirmed in a tweet by Jeremy Crawford on April 4th, 2016, is that all of dark vision's benefits are limited by its radius, which includes your ability to see in darkness as if it were dim light, which means the official interpretation, which I disagree with. I don't know if you can tell, guys. All right? <laughs> I couldn't. Is that, Until you said that. <laughs> is that within beyond 60 feet, a creature with dark vision is effectively blind, just like a creature without dark vision. Discuss amongst yourselves. Amongst ourselves? Yeah. Can I discuss with you? <laughs> sure. I, I'll include. Let's, let's discuss amongst ourselves. I, I mean, 
the official interpretation makes sense to me though but look how it's written it would okay wouldn't it make much more sense you can see in dim light within so what did you want feet? them to say within 60 feet you can see within yes. darkness as if you could within dim light yes why would they need to say 60 feet twice they, they already set the boundaries no but it's the comma the the spacing of the comma and the and the how it's structured what it should say is the the whole sentence should say within 60 feet of you you can comma? see nope yeah, comma within 60 feet of your comma you can see in dim light as if it were bright light and darkness as if it were dim light but that's not what this says this says within 60 feet of you you can see in dim light as if it were bright light but then comma in all darkness as if it were dim light yeah as though it's a separate thought a separate state right um okay but if you look at 183 i was yes that's the next thing (laughs) it has that comma but it's okay so let's read 183 sorry hunter what are what are your thoughts oh mine mine's a bit of a lengthy one so please oh go 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 go. give us your give us your lengthy girthy opinion yeah uh i don't know how girthy it is but (laughs) um (laughs) uh so i um my my idea of D D is that yes, it is fantasy, but all fantasy exists within its own contained reality, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore it has to follow certain rules and rules that you can't explain with magic or that aren't explained directly with magic. You kind of have to fall back onto real life rules. And so I started thinking what animals can see in the dark in real life. And immediately my mind went to cats. So the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Hunter has a doggo in the background that definitely mm. lifted his head when you were like, cats? Yeah, she cats? does not. She cats? does not like our cat. Where? Uh, <laughs> but uh, the way that cats uh, see in the dark is that they have more rods in their eyes than we do, which is what allows us to perceive hmm. uh essentially the universal colors of light you know light and in darkness whereas the cones in your eyes let you see color right so cats have both more rods and better developed rods and their pupils can grow to be larger than human poop uh pupils <laughs> human pupils <laughs> poop. i did poop. say poop human pupils uh just you know ratioed to the size mm-hmm. of their head right so if we say that D&D dark vision works similar to cat's dark vision, then in theory, they would have an easier time absorbing available light and, you know, be able to bring more light in through bigger pupils, right? However, that still does not allow them to see beyond a certain distance mm-hmm. where that light is either too weak or inaccessible to their eyes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I think the official ruling is correct, as much mm-hmm. as it pains me to say. So, so I, I love that. But here's the thing: we're talking about elves and gnomes and dwarves <laughs> okay. and magic. Okay, it's magic. By, okay. by that so logic, I, then none of this is real. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't say, honey, I didn't say it was real. Okay, let's go to page one eighty three. Right now, this does clarify your concern. I I wouldn't say clarify within a specified range, comma. A creature with dark vision can see 
in dim light as if it were bright light and in darkness as if it were dim light. I feel like that clarifies it. And the the specified range is the 60 feet. But if you went into it, having read the dark vision trait first, which most people would, and have interpreted it the way I did, the correct way, the way that it's written with commas, um, uh, then technically speaking, you could then say, oh, well, then this is just missing a comma. And so as opposed to just assuming the comma is incorrect in the seven billion places in the player's handbook where they describe dark vision trait, you could just say, oh, well, in this one place, it's missing a comma. And there should be a comma after after as if it were bright light. But I will I will concede, unlike Jeremy Crawford and everyone else, <laughs> that that. Correct. Yes, that does seem to lend some credence to this argument. But yeah, here's my problem. I would be okay with this if they just instead of having so boldly stated on Twitter, oh, honey, all of Dark Vision's benefits are limited by its radius, just said, you know what? It's not really written super well, but here's here's the dealio. Mm-hmm. Here's the fairest way or here's and, the most reasonable way to interpret this. And I think really what I'm getting at is just white male privilege. <laughs> okay. 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 We we talked a lot about how when there when there isn't a magic or a spell or something in the rules that gives us an explanation, we have to rely on our real world for that explanation, right? What? Like we have to just no sure. no no. Okay. Here's my thing. If I go out at night, even if I'm in the woods at night and there is moonlight, I am not blind. Right. Why does mm-hmm. this make you blind? Well, arguably that would be dim light, right? I think mm-hmm. I think no, dark- because in darkness creates a heavily obscured area. Okay. And then up up at the top it says heavily obscured area. You effectively suffer from the blinded condition. Well, but right. if you look at the definition of darkness on 183, it goes characters face darkness outdoors at night even most moonlit nights hey and i agree it makes no sense right yep totally makes no sense dumb and that's exactly why uh (laughs) it pains me to agree with the official ruling of DD because there's so many things that i don't like about it but um (laughs) yeah i i think on on this one specifically about the um restrictiveness of dark vision uh i think it, it it falls on this weird line between trying to make it realistic and trying to make it work mechanically. Absolutely. If you don't define a range, then people are going to be like, Oh, they're a mile away, but I have dark vision and it's right. at night, you know, but then and you would, wouldn't you, you just handle on that? Wouldn't you then, just handle that the same way you would hand? Like, I mean, like, I don't think I could see things clearly a mile away in mm-hmm. bright light, regardless of what I was looking at. Right. Because humans don't have great vision so i think i would just as a dm just handle that be like that's too far away for you to perceive detail you can make a perception check and like on a 25 and up you can tell oh it's a humanoid but other than that like you can't get much out of it but i agree with you both in the sense that like yes it's putting artificial line it's line drawing right it's Mm -hmm. line drawing in order to make the game playable, but then just fucking recognize that it's poorly written and say that (laughs) as opposed to clinging to it, like it's your mantra of life and that commas are meaningless because commas are not meaningless. Well, you can, you can cut this part out if you want. I'm about to shit on wizards of the coast. Um, (laughs) When you as a company essentially have a chokehold on an entire market, um, 
there tends to be a bit of a superiority complex that comes mm-hmm. along with this, a la yeah. Amazon, Google, and Apple, <laughs> uh, that pretty much anything you say, you have to interpret it as gospel. Otherwise, it leaves a crack for other people to move in. Think like uh, right after Wizards picked up D&D, I think right around third edition, they like let off the gas a little bit in three different RPGs like uh, Vampire the Masquerade and Pathfinder rushed in to fill the space and they were like, oh shit, right. we're not the top dog for a decade. So I, I think that's a lot of what it is. If they speak with definitive language and definitive confidence, even if it's stupid, like which most a lot of times it is. Straight, straight white men continue. Exactly. It's like you're, they don't feel <laughs> like they can be secure in their dominance if they don't act like they're always right exactly that's exactly so what i, I, meant I think the whole that's time. what this boils Come on, down man. to <laughs> i mean here's the thing at the end of the day i think you're both generally correct but i think mm-hmm. as written the description of the darkness trait does not say what it says and that appears several times more than this little mm-hmm. paragraph about darkness yet- which says you can't see in moonlight so yeah. And yet you're the descent. Anyway, <laughs> I, have gonna, more, I have one more yeah. question about this. Though. Okay. This yes. Bring it on. Moonlight darkness thing. Okay. How often do you think that these rules are being appropriately applied to the oh, players? Never. Never. The table? Like, never. I, I don't think I've ever had a nighttime battle. And I, as a dragonborn, don't even get dark vision. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm blinded, like the creatures that are attacking me are supposed to evidently have like advantage yep. against me. 100%. And you have disadvantage. Don't get any ideas. Them, I think is yeah. the rule. Yep, it's yep. debilitating. I automatically fail. Deck saves. I any, think any ability check that requires sight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I think you have disadvantage on certain no, saves. No, I think blinded too. just has attack rolls against me have advantage, and oh, the creatures' okay. attack rolls have disadvantage. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I get it from a game mechanic perspective, and I fully understand it. And actually, I do think it creates more dynamic interesting combats but then of course they make fucking twilight clerics who can see out to 300 feet and can do a whole bunch of other shit and i'm like well what does it matter anyway yeah at that point it's like come on who cares you know you were kind of pushing it with the improved dark vision letting you see like bright light up to 120 feet or whatever it was in total darkness however it worked but yeah no i i think the rule is largely arbitrary but it's just one of those weird things. I think it's a holdover from older editions, really, before they were good at game design. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, they they just decided to stick with it because it it's like, oh, that's the way it's always been, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it it certainly makes it certain, but it certainly makes combat. I mean, like I had a combat encounter, um, and and it was intense. Like one of our characters died because they they were fighting a bunch of harpies in total darkness and mm-hmm. we're just getting, they couldn't hit. And these harpies were getting full advantage on them. Cause when this was a mm-hmm. turtle who didn't have dark vision and yep. I was too far away. I was outside the 60 foot range to use any range spells as a druid. Um, mm-hmm. So it sucked because I was like, this doesn't make sense to me based on the language of what dark vision says, but I will concede that, mm-hmm. that there are certainly hints of legislative intent that should just otherwise. <laughs> However, given that I think you two, okay, so what are what are we ruling? What what are you two bozos ruling? I mean, lovely people. Um, <laughs> that the range applies to both the dim light rule and the dark darkness rule. Yeah, I I rule that the uh, the official ruling is correct. 
Mm-hmm. but I don't like it. And I think you should ignore it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the, in, in my dicta, I will be writing. About oh, honey, I got, I don't know what that is. But <laughs> you go right ahead. I got a big old dicta <laughs> waiting for you in my descent, bitch. In, in the, in the, in the spirit of the late great Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'm going to dissent and say, no, you, you are, you're just covering your ass. Write it better. And until change it, Right. Until you come out explicitly and say this was not written well and I'm me, Joe, are correct. However, (laughs) the official interpretation is I'm going to continue to just let people with dark vision see, um, you know, basically as far as I would let a creature see in bright light and then just make perception checks beyond that. And of course, I would still agree that those perception checks would be at disadvantage because it's not bright light, it's dim light. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be really fucking hard still to see out to that range but i think magical dark vision makes more sense than like cat dark vision so anyway that's fair. um so you you gavel, all, gavel. you both are in the majority i'm in the descent so it is so it is so ordered okay <clears throat> now that that topic you guys need to just vent about it right because it was that's I'd a rough like, one i'd like to tell everybody that joe has been talking about this topic for so long Three, oh. four months, maybe. Oh my God. God. I am so glad we didn't play D and D for <laughs> I would have just been screaming at you all. Oh, the f- no, I'm not. And, Luckily, and- I'm not like that. I was at the table. <laughs> and he complained to me about it multiple times. And mm. it wasn't until today that I actually figured out what the hell he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on to our second case. We have the case of in-ray ending concentration. Can a creature who is concentrating on a spell voluntarily end concentration at any time, including during another creature's turn? If not, can they only do it on their turn? Can they do it as a reaction? What say you? Anna or Hunter, would one of you like to kick us off with this discussion? Go for it, Hunter. Yeah. Um, so... D&D functions on an action economy that is very uh, narrow in scope in a lot of ways, because essentially it's everything costs something and you only have four things that you can really do anything with, right? Action, bonus action, movement, reaction, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know if D&D actually uses the term free action ever. It's, it, it, they call but... it inter- interaction. Yeah, interaction. So there's five main things, yeah, on your turn. Yeah, but anything that is not designated as one of those four is in this weird liminal space. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Concentration, however, has a very interesting distinction on it because um, it's specifically notated as not needing an action to end it. However, there is no clear restriction on when you can end it. So based on what's in the rules you should be able to end it any time however the gm in me is screaming (laughs) that doesn't make a lot of sense it's gonna make a hot mess for you (laughs) so i'm like that that smells like bullshit Mm -hmm. um so i i think it should be a reaction but rules wise Mm -hmm. it does not have the support for that that would be a me rule a table rule. yeah interesting Anna, Anna, justice Anna, what are your thoughts i think a reaction is too high a price to pay to drop concentration on a spell uh that's that's a big one of the big five if anything mm-hmm. i would say maybe it's an interaction or mm-hmm. maybe 
it's not, it clearly notates, right? Like, as you said, that it's not part of your action, mm. but I, I envision it as the like precursor to your spell casting because mm-hmm. I'm dropping it to do something else. Like if I am willingly dropping this, it's for a reason because I want to do something with my concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it falls clearly in any of the categories I, if, if anything was going to create the category for dropping concentration, I think it would be an interaction. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do it outside of your turn. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, but, but okay. Yeah. And, because, and okay. So the reason for that is, I don't know that it's clearly in rule that you can't do it outside of your turn, but it's exactly what Hunter described. It would create this like mess we have initiative for a reason we have the order for a reason and it's because without it you're all trying to describe your same six seconds Mm -hmm. on top of each other and then this creates chaos (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and what's wrong with chaos anna (laughs) and chaos has its time and place Mm -hmm. but you know not when i'm trying to track (laughs) what the hell is going on (laughs) Yes, and that's exactly why um, I argue a reaction to end it off of your turn, because everything D and D combat is built like a house of cards, right? Everybody has their set number of pieces in the pile, and if you take one of those out of turn, then the entire thing collapses, and that's how you get accidental player deaths by overestimating your creature's action economy as a GM or really easy creatures by underestimating your action economy as a GM when you're building out encounters, right? So making something that you can just drop for free on your turn costs something like a reaction, which a lot of classes don't really use all that much except Mm. for opportunity attacks or maybe like the shield spell for wizards, right? Mm -hmm. Right. There, there aren't too many reaction costs. So having dropping concentration off turn as a reaction cost can lead to some really interesting battle mechanics. And it fits within that house of cards action economy, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. And, sorry. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go so, ahead. I mean, I was just going to say, so like we're thinking from the GM perspective that it would be chaos to try to track if players, you know, mid-turn are dropping concentration. Mm-hmm. And and that's why we have initiative and that's why we have order. I can tell you from a player perspective, I'm paying attention to what everybody is casting and what everybody else is doing. And some of my decisions mm-hmm. based on where I am in initiative are determined by some of those things. So if suddenly I don't even know when the concentration has dropped or it's interrupted right before my turn, I feel like that messes with the order of like how these things are supposed to proceed and the decisions that you make. Cause that's kind of the payoff for me. If I have a low initiative, I don't get to act as quickly, Mm -hmm. but I get to take my time, see what everybody else is doing, where everybody else is going and what needs, what help. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so I feel like that decision making is kind of hindered and blocked if you have the ability to drop concentration willy nilly midterm. Yeah, I think. uh, And of course, you know, save for like someone losing concentration from taking damage. Right. Like, yeah, it's totally it's not predictable. So I don't know. I fall somewhere in between, I guess, 
um, so on, we're, we're looking at page 203 of the player's handbook, um, as, as Hunter sort of pointed us to. And interestingly, it says um, you can end concentration at any time. It specifically doesn't say during your turn. It just says at any time. And then in parentheses, no action required. Now, of course, no action required. Of course, it shouldn't take you an action to drop it. Um, but um, I think they're using it less in the terms of like the action economy word action and more of like, you could just do it. Um, and here's my argument for letting a player do it. So I, I, I looked this up a bit and if uh, someone had posed this question on RPG stack exchange and some of the discussion points that were brought up were super interesting. So what if you can cast levitate on an enemy to remove them from the battle and later when the, it's the enemy's turn um, or maybe not, maybe levitate's not the best idea. Um, uh, 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 but but you, you cast a spell to like do something and then it's their turn. They prepare to like react based on the concentration spell you cast and you drop it to force them to, to think on their feet, maybe do a saving throw to like land. If, if, if it's a spell like fly or something and uh, they, you know, for whatever reason you cast fly on an enemy um, uh, uh, so that they can fall down and be, and, and fall prone or take damage. And, I think that just from the GM perspective, that gives like not only so many cool ways for players to fuck with my enemies, but for my enemies to fuck with my players. And I think that I agree, Anna, with with Anna, that having it take a reaction, especially given that this is going to be mostly used by spellcasters who are going to need things like shield. I you know, in order just to survive, I think I do agree that a reaction is too high of a price, especially when the rules don't require it. Um, but there's one more interesting piece to this. And someone pointed out that in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, um, they, they talk about like when actions occur concurrently, like like a, a, an NPC action or a player action um, occur concurrently, the order of operations. And basically, um, uh, the general rule is that whoever controls the creature whose turn it is, they go first or they decide the order in which things happen. So that would give the DM like a little bit of a benefit because it wouldn't always result in like, I would like, I would basically merge these rules together and say, you don't need a reaction. You can drop it at any time. You can have some really cool interactions with how, you know, your spells interact with, um, uh, you know, you dropping concentration mid spell, like let's say you had anti-life shield up or something and you dropped it off turn to allow your paladin to run in and attack or, or you know, do something um, would be such a cool like way to do that. Um, uh, but then I would rely on this and say, if you're trying to target like an NPC or an enemy and, and like gain the advantage, if it's that creature's turn, they decide the order of operation so they could act before your concentration drops. Um, so it sort of balances out the harm that could happen um, and like the unpredictability while also still retaining that benefit for allies, because obviously your ally would choose to act in whatever order would be most beneficial to you and them. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's so fascinating to think about dropping concentration as a tactical move to like, I'm thinking immediately. I'm like, Emily Axford is going to come up with some fucking crazy shit to drop <laughs> concentration at the most opportune time and create this whole trend in D and D because like it, it encourages player creativity. And I think the more you can do that, especially for spellcasters, the more interesting the game is. Cast haste on an enemy. And then right before their turn. Okay. Boom, drop. Okay. Right. But like, 
fascinating. What an interesting concept. Like, yeah, because like haste doesn't require that that they make a save. You just have to touch them. So, so uh, or it might say willing creature. I don't know, but um, uh, yeah, Uh, who would be unwilling to get haste? (laughs) Well, right. I mean, it would be up to the DM, I guess. But like, yeah, but like you and you're blowing a third level spell, so that's comes at a cost but you're basically forcibly incapacitating a creature for a turn like that's huge but it's such a fascinating fun use of the spell that i would 100 allow that i like the idea that you propose of having the creature whose turn it is kind of uh be in control of the order of operations mm-hmm. because my my follow-up to the first part of your of your analysis was going to be it's all happening within the same six seconds right so it it becomes really confusing to say i cast it i drop it in between your acting um uh, you know and so i i think that the problem is kind of solved by having the person whoever's turn it is be in control of the order of events so actually i'm coming around to your your idea of things here oh. Joe. well done no and Very I, persuasive. Agree. <laughs> I agree um one of the big reasons why I suggested a reaction is because it is a definitive marker that you can put into the turn order to say you used your reaction to drop concentration and we have a marker for it. It is kept track of. But like Anna said, if you if you give the control over to the targeted party, um, especially if it's against you know the GM's uh, uh, enemies or NPCs, then that also works as a definitive mark. And, you know, you've made convincing arguments. I think it is more fair to the player. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I just imagine, like, especially with spells like Wall of Flame or Wall of Force, you could basically, like, if you're the wizard and you went early or, like, the druid or whatever, mm-hmm. and you cast that up front so that the creatures would be disincentivized from crossing it. And then you drop it right before all of your melee's attackers' turns. That essentially, like makes forces them to like lose a turn um mm. uh which is like an amazing tactical move and of course no no spellcaster wants to drop concentration right like that's a huge cost in and of itself right. to 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 waste basically waste a spell slot um so i think giving them that benefit of like yeah let's see what cool creative things you can come up with is is kind of neat so mm. So, okay. So I'm hearing, I think we all generally agree that you can cast it at any time per the rules. Although depending on the circumstances and the, you know, how the DM feels about it, you may have different requirements for um, like what that would cost you. Unless Hunter, I have fully converted you to the church of Joe. (laughs) I I think it would depend on the situation, how I'm feeling. We're we're a happy congregation. How nice they've been to me. that day well you heard it here hunter play hunter hates players so um (laughs) uh with that it's a unanimous ruling the court maybe (laughs) and do you know what it's time for it's time the unrobing chamber chat oh yeah And under my robe, I just have like a spandex onesie and all bright neon colors. And, and I'm just doing like a crazy dance. Instead of bow rat, of your course Joe rat. match. And yes. I mean, obviously. And I'm wearing that, that, what is that? It's like a, the Speedo, but the pant part goes above my shoulders. Yeah. That's what I'm wearing. <laughs> it's very not nice to look at him. I'm sorry. <sighs> okay. Well, now we're sitting back. We're relaxing. Mm-hmm. Our first chamber chat of this new season we're in. All right. 
So in the recent publishing of Monsters of the Multiverse, Wizards of the Coast made various, <laughs> I was like, he shortened it on the paragraph, yep. but I was yep. like, Watsy? <laughs> no, no, you can figure this out. You can put it together. So smart. <laughs> they made various changes to many races. Some they gave additional buffs to, like more features for Genasi. Others, they removed race-based limitations, such as lowered movement speed for dwarves, halflings, gnomes. Is this an effective way to achieve equality, equity among D&D races, or is it an overcorrection from previous problematic race-based debuffs like decreased intelligence for orcs? Interesting. So yeah, for those who don't know, monsters, Mordenkind... Jesus, Mordenkindin's Monsters of the Multiverse made a lot of changes to the standard D&D races. And I don't know if they're technically optional or not, because I did not buy the supplement because I refuse to buy 7 billion books. I just wait <laughs> until it comes out for free on the internet. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry about it. But um, uh, like they, they gave some some races, some much needed buffs. So Genasi, if you look at all the buffs they got, um, they really needed some buffs because Genasi are super lame. Um, as as they appear in the books, they get like one small thing their character can do. I'm like, that's dumb. Um, so like that kind of stuff I think is wonderful. However, the reason why this sort of stuck out was for two reasons. One, it seems to me like Wizards is trying to get ahead of the, ahead of the, we don't want any, any, limitations based on you know race as it's as the concept is used in D. Sure. we don't want certain people to feel like because you're a certain race you're slower and i do get the sentiment i mean the very first topic we talked about on this show ever was um uh changing of the the proposed changes to the ability score modifiers uh so that races like orcs don't have a negative one to intelligence because that's mm -hmm. that is problematic you're saying like this class of beings is inherently more stupid <laughs> than than others i mean that's really problematic and part of me felt like giving all of the creatures the same walking speed is a bit of an overcorrection because i like the I, the concept of like a little halfling or a little gnome or a dwarf like having to hustle and not being able to move as quickly as the larger creatures and in addition each of those races are quite quite a bit more powerful from their racial abilities than a lot of the races that have 30 feet movement especially if you look at halflings you get halfling luck you can be a stout halfling and effectively get dwarven poison resistance i mean uh you know dwarves get get the dwarven poison resistance plus um prof think proficiency with different weapons dark vision and other stuff um and gnomes have a, a, a gnome cunning which is an amazing you get advantage on checks against uh magical checks against uh uh uh, certain spells uh, to your or, or saves it's charisma intelligence and wisdom saves plus you get your sub race features like they are all really powerful races that get access to a lot of things inherently and i think that the 25 foot speed is definitely a bit of a trade-off for i think they made these races more powerful knowing that the speed limitation was difficult in dnd uh i had a very similar kind of thought process as you did joe um i think that in introducing new races, there's definitely this like curve of where are we failing? What do they need? Do they need something more? And, you know, new races come out and then they like test them out and then they can fix them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even with the existing races, there's still, there's like, it's never perfect. 
right? So I'm not saying that they don't need to constantly be kind of looking at it to say like, how can we improve the playing experience for a person that picks this race? And I'm not, and I'm not saying that like, suddenly every race has to have dark vision and, right. and, you know, everybody has to have the exact same things. I'm saying that like, if there's a consistent failing, uh, and I'm not talking about like speed or distance here. I'm saying if there's a consistent failing that puts them at a serious disadvantage, right. then, then there is sense in kind of creating that equity, that equality. But I'm with you on this speed thing. I think that there's a, there's so many benefits to picking a race like a halfling or a gnome that the payoff for that, that the balance of that is that there has to be something that acts as both a encouragement and a deterrent, Mm -hmm. right? Like there has to be that balance. And if you just put everybody on an equal footing at all times, then you could just blindly pick any race and there wouldn't be that much thought put into what does this character need? What does this character benefit from? And what am I willing to pay for it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that it takes away this like really, really fun part of D, which is the like pre-work, the analysis <laughs> you do beforehand yeah. Yeah, to be like, absolutely. what do I want my character to do? And which of these choices is going to help me the most? And what am I sacrificing in order to get there? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Hunter? Yeah, it's going to be a little boring because I agree with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I will just say um, two things. Um, this reads to me like Wizards of the Coast is attempting a essentially soft launch of um, like ancestry overhaul for mm. whatever new edition of D&D is going to be coming out soon. Right. Um, there are rumors that it's going to be fifth edition advanced or maybe a whole new edition of D&D is going to be coming out in the next five years or whatever. And I, this feels like a soft launch to see how people respond to it. Um, kind of like UA is before... Uh, we get any supplements for D&D 5e, right? It's a soft launch to see how people feel about an idea. However, I think that um, this is dangerously close. Well, that's a little bit too harsh. This is like teasing the idea of colorblind anti-racism, right? Right. Where it's like, oh, there's no cultural difference. We're all <laughs> right. human. We're all or, the same. Exactly. Right. And it's yeah. like, well, no, like no. There, there's cultural differences between, and especially in D&D, like there's magical differences between all of the, the ancestries. There's quite literally like racial, like if you're a minotaur, you're going to be stronger than a human. Right. Right. right? Like right. there are differences that need to be shown in the mechanical side of things. However, that doesn't mean that anybody is without potential to be good at any given thing, which right. is where the negatives become problematic, right? Yeah. Orcs are just as capable of intelligence as right. any other sapient, you know, creature in the D&D multiverse, but they might just be naturally a little bit stronger because of the way that they're raised and the way their culture plays into that, right? So I, I think this teases the idea of colorblindness by trying to equalize mechanically certain mm-hmm. things about the races but i overall i think it's fine it's an overcorrection but i don't think it's too big of one 
Um, you don't DM I, for I a don't. lot of halflings who constantly reroll ones then because <laughs> let me tell you, it's fucking no. annoying. <laughs> I can imagine. No, I, I don't, but it's like you said, it's a, it's a trade-off for certain things and five feet of movement realistically is right. not that big of a, a right. mechanical yeah. advantage, you know, yeah, especially it, not when like you could be a halfling uh, barbarian, which is a very fun thing to oh, play. Absolutely. <laughs> and you're doubling your movement speed or a halfling monk, which is even more mechanically powerful than a barbarian yep. uh, for a, for a halfling anyway. And you're doubling your movement speed. If you have 30 feet, right. You know, so I, I don't know. Five feet isn't that big of a thing. I just hope they don't like, try to start removing the things that characterize these yes. mysteries, you know this is a this is what we call in the legal world a slippery slope <laughs> and it's very logically sound um consequently don't google slippery slope twitter because you might get some naughty things so anyway well, don't google raw and order either just kidding yes yeah so, <laughs> you can um, definitely get some dirty or things. do i mean or I'm do hey judging. yeah no hey, whatever pride floats month. your boat Pride yeah. Month. Why is yeah, Anna yeah. a homophobe? I don't know. Oh, but don't be racist towards me. <laughs> that's the theme of the episode. Um, no, I I totally agree, Hunter, and I think that's a good way to characterize it as like this sort of like attempt at colorblindness, which it's it's frustrating to me though because at the same time you could be a gnome or a halfling, and I believe that there your your creature size is actually small for those races, which yes. actually can give you additional benefits. Like being a small mm-hmm. creature could actually give you a benefit in circum- certain circumstances. So it would make sense that you would there therefore have to like give up that five feet of movement. And consequently, like maybe you could even c- consider for races that where where your uh, uh your your carrying size is considered doubled or whatever for like yeah, bugbears like or yeah mm-hmm. goliaths. You could give them like an extra five feet of movement like that. That would actually be a really that would be a better balancing in my mind i don't i but again i agree with you that i'm not the five feet it's not the big deal it's the reason behind why they yes. did it that that I is problematic that. for me because also look at like look at wood elves they get an extra five feet of movement well why just because mm-hmm. they're faster well what if you're just a really fucking lazy wood elf yeah you're, you're not inherently faster i mean i don't know okay yeah. but then by that logic then they're well then there's like no characteristics that you can attribute. <laughs> well, no, but yeah. just sort of like if you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of the five foot difference th- and, and equalize them all out, so to speak, like, well, should you take that five feet away from what else? I don't know. Well, I I haven't been able to really dig into uh, this new supplement, mm-hmm. but my question, like my serious question for the reasoning behind this, would be why just the PHB races? Right. right. Why? Why just the handbook races? Aracocra have twenty foot walking speeds. Like, I mean, sure, that's made up for in fly speeds, but why haven't we adjusted things like that? You know, or like Tritons are, uh, you know, a seafaring race. They have slower land speeds. I'm pretty sure. Like, where, um, where does the logic come for changing some walking speeds but not others? Because it is a mechanical disadvantage. But all of those other uh, ancestries or, or species have things to make up for them, just like the handbook races do. So why is it just them? I think, I think if I'm looking at this correctly, I again I don't have the supplement. I think they did equalize all of those walking speeds to thirty, um, but I don't know for sure that it was 
um, because there does appear like there's hobgoblins and orcs and goblins, mm-hmm. which are are not PHB races. So I think they did adjust some of those. But yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I, I mean, the, the bigger issue in my mind is just they need to make all of the races more equal in terms of what they get, because at the end of the day, this is a game. So mm-hmm. like humans are kind of shit like compared yeah. to most races <laughs> and like normally i'm fine with that because be something I mean, other than a human the butt of like most of our jokes right like, oh nobody wants to play the <laughs> but, human fighter but like, like i as a world. right 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 but like i as a as a player like i play a uh uh a unt pureblood in a game and i oh. voluntarily reduced two of its major features um, because they were, it's so strong. It's immune to poison damage mm-hmm. um, and it cannot be poisoned and have the poison condition. And it also has um, advantage on all wisdom, charisma, and intelligence saving. Oh, no, no, not even all saving throws against magic, which is insane Ooh. for a character race to have. So I basically told my DM, look, this is too powerful. I, I don't, I don't like that. It's that powerful. So I'm going to voluntarily change the, the saving throw thing to be gnome cunning and the poison immunity to be dwarven resistance or dwarven resilience so that it's more in line. And even that having those two things, in addition to all the other stuff that you on T pure bloods get, is like crazy, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but like that, you compare that to a human. It's like, well, why the fuck would you ever want to play a human? Yeah. And I think that's where we get into the question of how do you mechanically balance something without interrupting the cultural representation of it? Right. Um, which is a big question that I am not prepared to answer in full detail. That's like, I don't Next know if you could write a dissertation on, on Ron it. Order. But, <laughs> right, right, that's, right. That's a complicated question, but the, the very, very simple uh, call that I can make on it is that you can balance something mechanically without changing the st- like the hard number statistics of it. Right. We see this represented across every single race in the player's handbook alone except for humans yeah (laughs) and i'm not entirely sure why so like it could be as easy as like give them an extra fighting style no matter what class they are yeah right and that would make humans a lot more viable as spellcasters, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm out of spell slots. Well, it's a good thing I have my archery fighting style to fall back on. Or, and yeah. That's or, not going to overpower a human. No, or you could even, I mean, this might be overpowered. Give it the ability at fifth level to attack twice regardless of what class it is. Yeah. Because humans, oh, yeah. in, in theory, right, if you don't have access to innate magic, a human likely would have need to be trained more in in like mm-hmm. hand-to-hand combat and weapon combat and like as opposed to most races which have some hint of a magical ability. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, like thinking outside the box and doing stuff like that is more interesting to me than just making everything a gray blob that looks the mm-hmm. same and then allowing mm-hmm. your imagination to like to, to pepper you know changes that's certainly part of what mm-hmm. you do when you create a character in DD. but i was just creating a new character last night just for the hell of it and like part of the fun as was one like does as one does yeah like part of the fun is like oh like i'm picking this race because of how it really interplays with the classes that i want to play and and mm-hmm. that makes it such a fun experience and i hate this concept of like 
just normalizing all of the races to try and achieve some sort of like balance. And also part of me still thinks it was, it's them trying to be like, no, we're not racist. It's fine. Orcs are smart and everyone can walk mm-hmm. 30 feet. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, that's not the same thing. And yeah, I, I can agree um, with that, but I, I do think that like the changes made should be to bring everybody up, not make everybody the same. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So like like we were talking about, Genasi really needed buffs because yes. they were essentially like elves mm-hmm. with less cool stuff, <laughs> but they could turn into like an elemental something once a day or like do an elemental something once a day, right. which made them effectively humans with wind powers, <laughs> right? right? So, and I, I love the Genasi. Um, I ended up not playing one as my first character, but the first character I ever made was a Genasi before they were even like canonized in a published work and they were just floating around as like a homebrew thing. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved them conceptually, but mechanically it never really reflected that. So this is a good change to kind of bring them up to standard from a mechanical standpoint without destroying any cultural representation of them. Absolutely. So bringing orcs up from a, a negative intelligence character builder to a normalized, no negative character builder is a good thing, right? Right. I don't see the good effects and it's not like, like we've said, it's not really coming with any negative effects either. I don't see the good effects or good representative effects that come from giving dwarves, halflings and gnomes an extra five feet of movement or normalizing everybody at 30 feet, you know, especially like we've talked about when they have all this other cool stuff already, when they're Mm -hmm. already normalized mechanically. Right. It, it, It is a weird thing and it does leave a bit of a bad taste in the back of my mouth, you know? The yeah. more I'm talking about it, the more upset I'm about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm the more angry. those five feet are really, really, yeah, it's a big, really bigger deal. Grinding my were, gears. Right? When you yeah. dash, it's ten with, feet with oh. each foot. Yeah, it's right. just making you angrier. I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, on that All right, note, gang. <laughs> on that very angry, <laughs> rage-filled note, um, uh, Hunter, what a dream. Thank Again, you so much for joining us. Yes, as always, and our first episode back in quite some time. Thanks so much for being here. Yes, well, please. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of oh, anytime, my dear. Please plug yourself again. <laughs> Plug yourself on camera. I want to plug watch. yourself real good. Yeah. Have you seen everything everywhere all at once yet? No, no. You'll get it when you watch the movie. Great. Um. So. <laughs> Hi, my name's Hunter. I am I'm a host and editor of The Fourth Leg. We're a tabletop gaming podcast about giving new GMs a leg to stand on. Um, in essence, we try to give uh, up and coming GMs or maybe even old GMs a nice comprehensive guide that you can listen through episode one and just listen to it in order. And it goes through simple concepts and slowly gets more and more advanced. Uh, eventually talking uh, in season three, here's a little teaser. We're going to be talking about how politics, religion, and cultural bias play a part in your world building. Oh, so that's wow. going to be nice. fun. Um Love it. But uh, we are currently releasing episodes of a show called Shades of Chicago, which we'll listen to talk about at the uh, at the top of the hour or however long this ends up being. <laughs> um, that is a uh, an actual play in a powered by the apocalypse system known as Urban Shadows, where a bunch of monstrous beings uh, in modern day Chicago have to deal with some shenanigans. Uh, so go listen to those. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Fourth Leg. 
Yeah, yes. Please, please, please go listen. Thank you. To the whole podcast and especially that live play because it was just once again so fun. But thank you oh, yeah, so Joe's much, in Hunter. It. I'm in it. Yes. <laughs> Ta-da! My first appearance as a live show player, and I couldn't have been happier to have it be with you. <laughs> It was so nice to play with you, Joe. Well, That's, now that um, I'm nice and securely plugged, yeah. uh, congratulations on your comeback, guys. Well, thank oh, you. Oh, Speaking of which, we really need questions and cases. So please oh, yes. mail us at ronorderdnd at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at ronorderdnd. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Hunter, and courts adjourned. Do I do this part, Anna, or do you do it? You do it. I do it, right? Well, I don't know. I forget. Do we switch off? I, I think okay. we switch off. Yeah. I'll read Pride month. I'm doing it. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> so.